Okay, so today is the last uh, sermon in our Zechariah series. If you have missed uh, the previous sermons, uh, please log in to our YouTube. You can catch up on all the previous sermons. So Zechariah, I've titled my sermon, Yah Remembers, Behold, Your King Comes. So uh, the name of Zechariah, it means Yah Remembers, and I think it is no coincidence that God chose Zechariah to write this book of prophecy and he is reminding the nation of Israel that look, my people, I have not forgotten you. Yah remembers and behold, your king comes. So your king comes to rescue and redeem to refresh and refine, to rule and to reign. So today, I'm not going to preach that much, but more of teaching. So I've uh, given you the tiny.cc sermon slides because some of you, when you like a point on screen, you will take out your handphone and you start clicking away. So let me uh, give you the good news. You don't have to do that. You can go to our YouTube Click on the tiny.cc sermon slides and you can download all our sermon slides. Okay, so let's begin. So the first point, uh, behold your king comes to rescue and redeem. So follow me on the screen even as we read Zechariah 14 verse 1 to 3. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled or ransacked, and the women ravished or raped. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. So Zechariah 14 verse 1 to 3 is a graphic uh, description of the details of the battle of Armageddon. So specifically what will happen in the city of Jerusalem. So verse 1 starts with behold. And in the Bible when you uh, see this word, behold, what does it mean? It means we are to pay close attention. The day of the Lord is not just one day, but it is a period of time. For to the Lord, a day is as a thousand years. And afterwards, we will consider the millennial reign of Christ, which is the 1,000 uh, year reign of Christ. So a day is not a 24-hour day, but it is a period of time. And we are experiencing the birth pangs now. So many prophets and many preachers of the word, they believe that we are truly in the last days and we are experiencing the birth pangs. But after the birth pangs will come a beautiful baby, a beautiful nation will be born, a beautiful kingdom of God will be established on earth. Amen? So we are experiencing the birth pangs now. So in this battle of Armageddon, three forces 
are involved in the gathering of this great army. So number one, the nations agree to cooperate together. Number two, Satan or the devil has these demonic powers of influence over these nations to gather them to wage war against God's people. And number three, the Lord exercises His sovereign power in gathering the nations together. So when does the rescue and the redemption comes? It is in verse 3. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as He fights in the day of battle. So the Lord comes to rescue and redeem Israel in fulfillment of His covenant with them. This is an encouragement to all of us. So I really do not know what each one of you are going through even in this difficult time, but in the most difficult period that you go through, even as you face the most gruesome, the fiercest and the unrelenting attacks of the enemy, be rest assured that Jesus will come to your rescue. Amen? So this battle of Armageddon and what we have read in verses 1 to 3 reminds us that our safety does not depend on our distance from danger, but instead, our safety depends on our nearness to God. Let me repeat that again, and you can see this as a key principle that in these verses that you have just read, the key principle that we can take home is that our safety does not depend on our distance from danger, but our safety depends on our nearness to God. If we are with Him, He will keep us through the most dangerous times we will ever face. And this reminds me of Psalm 23 verse 5, that even in the midst of our enemies, even when David was waging war and, and warring with uh, other nations, in the midst of his troubles and danger, in Psalm 23 verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this is the key principle that it is not uh, how far you are away from danger, but it is how near you are to God. So draw near to God, my dear brothers and sisters, and if you're going through whatever challenges, may I sing Isaiah 35 verse 4 to you. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Say to the weary one, your God will surely come. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Lift up your eyes to Him. You will arise again. He will come and save you. Yes, Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters 
that whatever that they may be going through right now, whatever challenges, whatever difficulties, whatever illnesses that they may have in their bodies, I pray in Jesus' name that they will rest assured that they need not have fearful hearts, but that they be strong and do not fear, for you, their God, will come and rescue them and save them from all their troubles. We submit and commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's move on in verse 4. Uh, in rescue and redeem. So how does the king come? And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in two, from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azel. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus, the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. So how does the king come? The king will come in the same way our Lord ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. He will return. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 11, we read, Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So what happens when the king comes? Imagine the whole mountain, the Mount of Olives will split in two. The people of Israel will flee through the newly formed valley in verse 5 and the Lord will return accompanied by his holy ones. I look forward to the day when we shall return with the Lord, the holy ones, and we will engage and fight in battle at the Battle of Armageddon. And we will have truly transformed bodies. I look forward to the day when all my rubber tires around my waist is gone. Yeah, we will have a transformed body, a resurrected body that will never ever see corruption. So what is the key principle that we can learn from here? The key principle is every time when you pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are actually praying for this day. Zechariah foretold a day when Jesus Christ will bring into fulfillment the victory that he has already won through his cross and the resurrection from the grave. Amen? So we look forward to this day. So I've covered the first point, which is, behold, your king comes to rescue and redeem. And now we move on to the next point, which is, your king comes to refresh and refine. Let's move on and read from verse 6. It shall come to pass 
In that day, that there will be no light, the lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day, it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one and his name one. So verses 6 and 7 that we have read just now uh, talks about the day of the Lord's physical return. There will be no light. The sunlight and moonlight will diminish. It will be a day known only to Yahweh without day or night. But there will be light in the evening. So this depiction is very similar to how the new Jerusalem is described in Revelation 21, verse 23, where John writes that the city will not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God will give it light and Jesus the Lamb will illuminate it. So my dear brothers and sisters, for us who are Christians today, and we are called to be the light of the world. Are we shining forth the light of Jesus in our life? Do people see the light of Yahweh shining forth through us? So may we be the light of the world, just as Jesus has called us to be. Amen? And in the next verses, in verse 8, we read that, uh, about a river that will flow in two directions. So half will flow to the Dead Sea, identified as the Eastern Sea, and the other half will flow to the Mediterranean Sea, called the Western Sea. So this renewing water will never dry up and it will never stop running. It will keep flowing all year round. So this will be the perpetual and the abundant fertility of the land of Israel during the millennial reign of Christ. So how about us, my dear brothers and sisters? Do we have a river flowing inside of us all the time? Like what we read in John uh, chapter 7, verse 37 to 38 that you see on the screen, on the last and greatest day of the festival, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living waters will flow from within them. So it is interesting that Jesus said this at the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And we will revisit uh, this uh, theme about the Feast of Tabernacles later on. So, and this is the key verse that I want you all to take note on. Zechariah 14 verse 9. And the Lord shall be king.
king over all the earth. In that day it shall be, the Lord is one and his name one. So in Israel, even until today, they recite what we call the Shema, and it is based on Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 9, which reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So this is a key verse and it is the most glorious thing that will happen to refresh and refine the land and its inhabitants. So the verse concludes that the ruler of the earth will be Yahweh alone and his name alone. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. If you have ever joined a church choir before and you have sung Handel's Messiah before, the chorus goes like this. For he shall reign forever and ever. He shall reign forever and ever. King of kings and Lord of lords. And we go higher and higher and higher and you wish that you have worn a tighter underwear so that you can reach the high notes. Yeah, so uh, this is the hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah. And I look forward to the day when we will sing this to the King of kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. So he shall reign forever and ever. And this is a good time to shout, Hallelujah. Let's give God a clap offering. Hallelujah. We look forward to the day when we shall sing this with the heavenly host. And what is the key principle for us here? That if we make the Lord as king over our lives, he can refresh and refine us and we can manifest His glory, be filled with His Spirit, and live in kingdom principles to be an instrument of blessing. Amen? So may we be refreshed and be refined by our Lord even as we make Him king over our lives. So the last point, uh, which I have three sub-points, is He comes to rule and to reign. And I'll spend about five minutes here uh, regarding the life in the millennial kingdom. So verses 10 to 21, which is the last portion of this Zechariah 14, provides us with three assurances that God graciously promises to his people. So the promises that God uh, gives to us uh, on the screen that you can read he assures us that King Jesus will establish his kingdom. Uh, verses 10 to 15, he assures us that all the nations will worship King Jesus. Verses 16 to 19. And the last assurance is he assures us that holiness of King Jesus will prevail. Verses 20 to 21. So let's look at the first assurance that God assures us that King Jesus will establish 
his kingdom. Let's read from verse 10. All the land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Rimon, south of Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be raised up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate to the place of the first gate and the corner gate and from the tower of Hananel to the king's wine presses. The people shall dwell in it and no longer shall there be utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. And in verse 12, And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. It shall come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. Everyone will seize the hand of his neighbour and raise his hand against his neighbour's hand. Judah also will fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be gathered together. Gold, silver and apparel in great abundance. Such also shall be the plague on the horse and the mule, on the camel and the donkey and on the, all the cattle there will be in those camps, so shall the plague be. So verse 10 describes a total transformation of the area surrounding Jerusalem. He will turn all the land as a plain from Geba to Ramon, east and west of Jerusalem, and as a result, Jerusalem will be raised up and this is a fulfilment of the prophecy that we read in Isaiah chapter 2. And verse 11 continues with yet another promise that Jerusalem will be inhabited never again to be destroyed and that it will dwell in security. This is a Hebrew phrase that carries the idea of enduring and staying. And the last portion of verse 12 to 15 assures us that Jesus will deal with Israel's enemies. And it is a graphic description of what some Bible scholars describe as a nuclear war. Imagine, even as they step forward, suddenly their eyes socket, their eyes you know, melt, you know, and your tongue melt, and your whole uh, flesh and skin, you know, just melt away. So this is a description of the Battle of Armageddon, which we believe uh, involves a nuclear war. So what is the key principle from this first assurance that Jesus will establish his kingdom? So the key principle that we can take away is if the Lord has truly established his kingdom within you. In Luke chapter 17, verse 21, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So if the Lord has truly established his kingdom within you to rule and reign in your heart, the way we fight our battle is to stand still and see the salvation of our Lord. He 
will fight our battles for us. Amen? So this is truly uh, an assurance for us that He will fight our battles even as we crown Him as King in our hearts. So let's move on quickly in verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So what this means is that during the time, during the millennial reign, Israel will have a ministry to the Gentiles who will have to trust the true and living God. And they have to come to worship Yahweh at His temple. Of the seven annual feasts listed in Leviticus 23, the Feast of Tabernacles is the only one that will be celebrated during the Millennial Kingdom. So why only the Feast of Tabernacles? So in this uh, table that you see on the screen, uh, there are seven uh, feasts but, uh, in Leviticus 23, but out of these seven, only four have been fulfilled. So the first one is the Passover feast, and it was fulfilled at the death of Christ, and the references are there. Uh, second is the first fruits. It is also fulfilled uh, when Jesus was resurrected. The feast of unleavened bread, it is fulfilled because now as a church, uh, the life of the church today as believers, it represents the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Pentecost was also fulfilled when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So there are three feasts which are yet to be fulfilled. The Feast of Trumpets, where the trumpet will call and God will regather His people and we will meet Him in the air. The Day of Atonement will be fulfilled when the Lord comes again and Israel see the one whom they have pierced and the last but not least, the Feast of Tabernacles will be fulfilled and celebrated at the millennial. So in Zechariah 14, verse 17 to 19, the Lord will exercise justice on nations that refuse to obey. So what is the key principle here? The key principle is that we are to be totally dependent on God and to trust His provision, to be in absolute faith with Yeshua as all nations are to worship Jesus and to rely on Him for providence. My dear brothers and sisters, even as we go through this COVID pandemic, I really do not know what each one of you are going through. Some of you may have lost your jobs. Uh, 
Some of you may have a pay cut, but whatever it is, may we rely on Yahweh, may we rely on our Lord Jesus, that truly He is our provider and He will provide for our every need. Amen? So imagine what will happen to our lives. So you have read in those verses that there will be no rain in Egypt and for those nations who don't go and worship God, there is no rain. So no rain means no sustenance, no production of food. So imagine every time if you don't come to worship God, God uh, do not bless you. So for those who have yet to come to church, uh, this is the warning for you. No, just joking. Just kidding. <laughs> the Lord will still bless you. Yeah, you don't have to worry that truly... Uh, Jesus truly loved all of us, beloved, that despite whatever circumstances that you're in, He loves you, He cares for you, and He will truly provide for each one of you. So quickly, the third assurance, the last assurance, uh, can I have the worship team up? Uh, he assures us that holiness of King Jesus will prevail. And in uh, Zechariah 14, verse 20, In that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them, in that day, there shall no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. So verse 20 to 21 show how Christ's holiness will permeate over all Jerusalem. And even more so, in verse 21, it promises that even common pots and vessels in the houses of Jerusalem would be so holy that they could be used for service in the sanctuary of the Lord. Wicked and unholy people described as Canaanites in verse 21 will no longer be in the house of the Lord at all. And with Jesus ruling and reigning, Jerusalem will truly be holy. Everything and every aspect of life in Jerusalem will be holy to the Lord because Jesus is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Amen? Hallelujah. So the key principle that we can take from this is that in verse 20 to 21, it sets the stage for the New Testament equivalent. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. There is no secular or sacred divide in the Christian life because everything comes from God and should be holy to the Lord and for His glory. Amen. So even as I bring this to a close and in summary, that truly, if you forget everything that has been preached 
And even as you have missed out on some of the sermons in this Zechariah series, remember that the name of Zechariah means Yah or God remembers. That even whatever situation that you may be in right now, remember that Yah remembers you. He has not forgotten you. That in whatever circumstances that you're in, He will come to rescue and to redeem you. He will come to refresh and to refine you. And ultimately, He will come to rule and reign in your heart. Let's spend a moment in silence. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Even as you have heard this sermon, that truly Yahweh is a God who remembers that in whatever circumstances that you may be in, 2021 may have been a challenging year for you. And if you have come this morning and you do not know our Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Saviour and Lord, and you want to receive Jesus into your heart for the very first time, may I invite you now with all eyes closed and all heads bow, that you raise up your right hand high enough for me to see. If you want to receive Jesus in your heart for the very first time, you have not made Him your Saviour or your Lord, and you want Jesus this morning, can I invite you to raise your right hand high enough for me to see, and I will pray for you. Thank you, brother. I see that hand. Thank you, little, little one. I see that hand. Thank you, brother. I see that hand. I see two hands. I see three hands. Anyone in the balcony? Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you, sister. Hallelujah. Come, church. Let's pray this together with these dear ones. Keep your hands up uh, and all eyes closed, all heads bowed. Let's pray this prayer for them to receive Christ. Lord Jesus, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to die for my sins. That on the cross of Calvary, you died for my sins. I thank you that your blood can wash my sins as white as snow. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. Lord Jesus, I now open my heart to receive you as my Lord and my Saviour. I thank you that my name is now written in the book of life. Thank you that I can be in your family. I praise you. I give you thanks. In Jesus' name and all of God's people say Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, God, let's give God praise. And right now, if there's any one of you, you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, you have heard this sermon and you say, Jesus, I want to come back to you. I want to make amends with you. 
I do not want to let you go. If that is you and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, can I ask you to stand to your feet right now? Before eyes closed, all heads bowed, no one looking around. Just stand to your feet as a, a sign to our Lord Jesus Christ that you want to submit your life to Him, you want to rededicate your life to Him. Hallelujah. Father God, you see this standing in your midst, Lord. And even for those who are online, and please go into the altar room uh, for prayers. I speak a blessing over these dear ones that even as they stand up, acknowledging that they want to rededicate their lives to you, I pray, O oh Lord, that you will truly meet them at their point of need, that whatever that they are going through, whatever challenges, that you will truly come through for them, O oh Lord, because you are a God who will never fail them nor forsake them. And I pray that truly Yahweh remembers you, Yahweh will draw near to you, and Yahweh will hold you in the palm of His hands, and nothing Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. So we thank you and bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let us rise and close with this song. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, no words could ever describe the debt of gratitude that we owe to you. And truly, it is our heart's desire that we will never ever let you go because you have the words of eternal life. And I thank you for those who committed their lives to you and received Jesus into their heart for the very first time. And I pray that in the days ahead, Lord, that you will truly manifest yourself as a God who remembers them all the days of their life. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance to all of us and grant us His shalom peace and all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah.